Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Three, two, one. Don't worry, there is nothing of worth before the clap slate. What, are you kidding me? That's not true. We just had the most riveting, insightful, <laughs> layered, funny really? conversation. I'm so... Were we not recording that? Oh, shit. I guess not. Oh. <laughs> so so our audience is stuck with this crap, which is like yeah. none of us have anything to say now because we're all I do. spent. I have a little peek behind the curtain. I am really bloated. That's our peek behind the curtain. <laughs> okay, and, again, again, Paula, these are not peeks behind the curtain if they're yeah. just personal issues. No, 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 that's what we used to do. Was It was it's, like all the personal stuff before we started the show. Yeah, see, there's a peek behind the curtain. So this was the peek behind the curtain. It's weird. You know, I don't get cable at home. I, I got to get back to a hotel so I can watch some more MSNBC and figure out, you know, what's causing this bloating. <laughs> Would MSNBC help you with that? Yeah. Yeah. All their commercials are, you know, some sort of digestive or bloating <laughs> or rash or, you know, I can't tell which comes first, the chicken or the egg. My guess yeah. is it's probably caused by watching uh, MSNBC. I have a theory if you want to hear it, Paula. Sure. A lot of your diet consists of nacho cheese Doritos which are super high in sodium and can cause uh, bloating and water retention. No, I don't think so. They never mentioned that on the commercials on MSNBC, so thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, because they're not selling anything. But like, if you were to, to lay off the salt for a couple of days and drink a lot of water, the bloating would go down. Huh. I think it Diet might. Pepsi wow. has a lot of sodium in it. Like, No, it doesn't. Well, does it have like 190 milligrams or something? No, it only has it when I add it. I am Googling it. Would you stop Googling? Well, you should stop adding it. You, No one should add salt to Diet Pepsi. Uh, sometimes um, <laughs> I salt to taste. <laughs> I like I like an instruction that says salt to taste. Diet soda can make you, it can make you bloated. I don't know if it has sodium. I'm not that far in my research. Well, get there. I wouldn't call that research. <laughs> Come That's on. Not really research. You have to start yeah. the show. Yeah. It's research hey. like QAnon does research. There's yeah. 35 milligrams of sodium in a 12 ounce can. Of okay, so That's if you. exactly what I was saying. Well, okay, was that isn't a lot, but if you drink 10 sodium. cans a day, that would be. That's 350 still, milligrams. Yeah, which still isn't that much. Okay, I apologize. Yeah. So the carbonation can, get, can make gas trapped in your system. <laughs> oh, are you gassy, Paula Boundstone? I think this that's, is a big, that's how you can get yeah. bloated. Do you fart yeah. on stage? What kind of a thing is that to say? I don't know. I just yeah, felt why did like you say I, that. That made me uncomfortable. It just jumped in my head. I can't <laughs> even believe you said that. And I don't think it's the thing 
that we want listeners or audience members thinking about? I hate the F word. You hate that word fart? Oh, my God. Yeah, me too. I'm not comfortable with that. I always say toot. Oh, God. Okay, that's I don't like that. Worse. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. That's just not going to. That's a non-starter. <laughs> Jesus. <Damn. laughs> that is not acceptable. God, you start. It really is. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I'm going to start the show, Bonnie. Bonnie's un- if Bonnie's uncomfortable, we're well, starting I mean, the show. I mean, no wonder she picked a romance novel. I see oh, toot. my God. Yeah. Toot. We they don't say toot in these romance toot. novels. We didn't just peek behind the curtain. We blew the curtain back. Yeah. yeah. A little toot. Oh, my God. Now, here's the thing. Now I don't even want to work with you guys. I know. It was really bad. God, this is like in uh, 1984 when you know they the couple had been tortured it separately and now they, they bump into each other on the street and they're just embarrassed. They just walk wow. their separate ways. That's how that I, feels a little um, overstated, Paula. No, it isn't. You haven't read the book in a while. Reread it. You'll get no, this no. exact Winston same feeling. Winston and Julia are tortured mercilessly in order to break their spirits and and recondition them to be loyal to the party. Tony said, "Toot." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very, it's, it's right, yeah, it's very similar. <laughs> is it? Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> it really is, yeah. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, this here is Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight... We've all seen a lot of bridges. There was a bridge too far, a bridge to the 21st century, a bridge over troubled waters, Jeff Bridges, but all of those pale before the one gleaming iconic bridge that resides here in California, and we've got one of the foremost experts on said Golden Gate Bridge, Paulo Kasulich Schwartz here. And once you've had your fill of things that are big and beautiful, we'll treat you to things that are small and sticklish. It's our Department of Fine Print. I'm Adam Felber. This show's Suspension Bridge, providing safe passage to some sort of coherence over the waters of digression and distraction. And now, welcome the woman who never has to work again, thanks to her shrewd 1986 purchase of the Brooklyn Bridge, it's <laughs> Paula Poundstone! Yeah. Hey, you guys! You're welcome, uh, Paula. Given that this is our last time working together... <laughs> I would, uh, I would like to thank our house band, Colin Miller on the guitar. Colin, oh, thank God, you so I much. Oh, God, I love Colin. Yay, Colin, we from, love you. From Wait, Wait. Yes. Colin is our friend from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and um, I saw him last week. I was out in Chicago for a Wait, Wait, and I forgot to mention to him, how much I love having him on uh, on our little podcast. Colin, again, thank you so much, man. He's such a good musician. He's a mensch. You know what? It's great that he's on our last <laughs> episode. You guys, yeah, yeah. How poignant. I tell you what, you guys can keep doing the podcast. I'm just not going to do it anymore because I don't want to work with any of you. But please, you feel. <laughs> Feel free to keep the name and, and, you know, hopefully hopefully Ellen's available. Hey, what's new, Paula Poundstone? You know what? I have, I have a story to tell you, but here's the thing. You have to okay. promise me 
that you won't get hung up on the sad part of the story because that's not the tone I'm going for here. But there is a little piece of sad information that has to be said in order to make sense of the story. You can't do it without. Okay. So I think I told you before that my cat, Hardy, who was probably in her late teens, I think she had a big bump on her head. I think I told you that before. So I took her to the vet. Uh, This is weeks ago, weeks ago. I took her to the vet. He said it was probably either a bacterial infection or a cancerous tumor. So we treated her for a bacterial infection in order to rule out. So I gave her, in fact, two rounds of antibiotics just to be sure, and it didn't go away. All right. So now my goal was just to give the cat, you know, a lot of attention uh, and watch to see that she wasn't suffering. And when it was time, I'd call an in-home euthanasia service because my goal was not to bother the cat. So I couldn't get anybody that was actually recommended. So I found this service that I had no connection to. Three women came into the house. Uh, They were all in scrubs. And... uh, (gasps) One took notes on on a laptop and was literally tallying the expenses as they went. Um, <laughs> yeah. There, uh, there, was, there was a vet tech um, who kept calling my cat Hardy friend, uh, although I had never seen them actually spend any time together before. I think even Hardy was kind of like, oh, come on, get over it. So I told them the same information that I've just told you. And the vet said to me that the bump felt squishy, which made her think that it was bacterial. So I repeated that that had been ruled out. And she said, well, we want to make absolutely sure, which I did agree to. So I don't want to go into the gory details, but they bothered the cat. To say the least, they bothered the cat, thinking that they could lance the wound. Um, where I was sitting, my, my vision was kind of obscured, so it, it didn't really look to me like it was successful. And the vet didn't say so until I asked. And then she said, no, it was disappointing. <laughs> I don't know when she was going to bring that up. But meanwhile, the woman tallying <coughs> the cost on the computer, who literally that was her only job. She would say, the vet would tell her what they, you know, what they wanted to do. And then she would click, 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 and then tell me a price and say, is that okay? And I'd go, yeah, I, I guess so. Um, so she's, she's clicking. It sounded like I was trying to get rebooked on a canceled flight. That's how much computer <laughs> typing she was doing. Uh-oh. I was just clickety, clickety, clickety. So when I was, when the whole thing was over, I was, I owed about 500 something dollars. My cat was miserable vomiting and had a cut on her head and she was still alive um the vet the vet said (laughs) the vet said that she had taken a sample and would tell me what she found whereas the truth is i already knew what she found um so the next day i called the vet and she said that there were some bacterial cells in the sample um but that there were also some odd shaped suspicious cells she didn't say this i'm saying it but the suspicious cells were there because the cat had cancer like i told the woman to begin with then she says to me on the phone if we decide to go through with the euthanasia we can talk about urns (laughs) yeah i assume for me like an urn for for, for me because now that now that i have zero money uh i may as well just i may as well just cremate myself and get on with it um i did manage to tell her that i didn't want an urn but here okay 
here's why I'm telling you this whole story. Uh, right. Because I have a question. And my question is, what the fuck is the matter with me? <laughs> I, I'm like a professional mark. I should just walk <laughs> around with a t-shirt that says my address and when no one will be home. I, I, I should get the phone number of the people with the warranty that call and I should call them every day instead of waiting for them to call me. I should open a couple of accounts with Wells Fargo. I should have theaters pay me in crypto or Beanie Babies. What? Why don't I just buy Swampland in Florida? What the fuck is the matter with me? It's like they, yeah. s- they see me. I, all three of them. I don't, whatever. So by the way, I had to get somebody else to come. You d- you didn't get them? Yeah, I didn't get them. I wasn't gonna have them come back. Yeah. I would. They would have sold me a coffin. I probably would have had a coffin again for me. That's a horrible story. Yeah, I would question the choice to tell that story at all on this podcast. <laughs> um, I, do, I think Hardy would like the satin. Oh, Hardy would have liked it that way. But I'm telling you, by the time this whole thing was over, my poor cat Hardy was like, you know, get the syringe. Just get the syringe. <laughs> I'll do it. Oh, my Lord. Well, I am sorry to hear about Hardy. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I don't remember the name of the company. It'll come up on my MasterCard bill, I can tell you that. If they show up at your door, tell them that your cat's feeling better. This is... Bonnie's devastated over there. No, I... <laughs> um, It's so upsetting that somebody would do that. While you were telling the story, I looked at the screen and both Adam and I... Our jaws were dropped because it's yeah. it's a horrible story. I'm so sorry. I think the minute you yeah. saw three people walk into your house, it that's yeah. just a really bad sign. Yeah, it should be one. They started looking around and yeah. measuring uh, the house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that's a really that's bad sign. awful. Yeah. That's a terrible they had, sign. They had their own furniture out on a truck. They <laughs> okay, again, these are bad signs. Oh yeah, no, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, Did no they, wonder you're bloated. I remember now the name of the company. It was Kick You uh-huh. While You're Down uh, <laughs> Animal Medicine. That's what it was. Oh, yeah. Kick You God. While You're Down Animal Medicine. You see, I would avoid a company with that name just because of the name. You know, that makes sense to me now. Now, Somehow yeah. in the heat of the moment. Did they give you a paw print? Like a free one? No, they didn't give me a paw print. I don't wow. want a paw print. Can't. To me, the paw print is bothering the cat one more time. Like, oh, come here, come here, cat. Stick your paw in this clay. Well, it's I, dead I want... when they do it. Oh. Oh, okay, that's an occurrence. You know what? This is a horrible <laughs> story. We're already off on awful stuff. This is terrible. Yeah, like, let's move on. Shit this is off. They didn't give me a paw print, but the, she she did do a, a wax rubbing of the cat's kidney. And that... Um... <laughs> you know what? We're going to get so many comments. They offered it to me unframed for a thousand. <laughs> oh, well, that that's a steal. Then get, it, get the unframed version, I'd say. Um... <laughs> Hey, if there's anybody still listening, you know what you can do? You can go to nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone.com, register your displeasure with this opening anecdote, and also, while you're there, click on the merch tag and get yourself one of those hats. Um, You know what, Bonnie? This really is not okay. (laughs) The paw print thing. I I know about the I've known about the paw print thing for years, but it never occurred to me until you said so that the cat was dead when they did the paw print. 
go just before you die here. Put your paw in. Oh my God. Here's a last request for your cat. God. Oh my God. Oh man. I'm going to vomit right now. Okay. Well, while you're vomiting, and we're all recovering from that harrowing story. Like the most cop. Paw print. Uh, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone.com. You can get one of those truck snapback trucker caps that says, uh, Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. Or one of those attractive squill caps that says, I'm a nobody. Um, go there and give it a, you know, go there and give oh it a purchase. God. And do it Don't, for Hardy. Let's sell paw prints. Let's sell paw prints. No. No, we're not selling paw prints. Oh, oh my God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Hey, um, oh. in the interest of moving forward, uh, I am going to call to order our bookie bookie <laughs> book club. Okay, and what are we what are we reading? Old Yeller. Old <laughs> Yeller. Okay, here's the thing. I don't think I can shake this off the whole show. I mean, I feel so <laughs> sick in my stomach. Well, why don't you try singing the theme song? Maybe I that'll know, help your stomach. I can't. Like, out of respect for poor Hardy, I think we have to have a moment of silence. Let's, let's, okay. Um, let's switch from reading oh, Get a Life, club. Chloe Brown, to reading The Nine Lives of Thomasina. Bonnie, why don't you start? Okay. Oh, gosh. We have a book club. We have a book club. We have a bookie, 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 bookie club. The weirdest episode. This is crazy. Ah, We've got a book club. We've got a book club. We smile even though we're down. We've got a book club. We've got a book club. Forget a life, Chloe Brown. Read when your heart is breaking. (laughs) Did I tell you that I took Mo back to the vet yesterday? Did I tell you that? No. No. Want to save that for next week in case we're not depressed? (laughs) No, really. This might get us more in an up mood. I remember when you started the story, don't focus on the sad parts. Yeah. And I didn't come yeah. across any other parts. <laughs> well, she has a, she has a, to- a torn, it's a CCL. The vet explained to me that in people, it's an ACL. He That's says basketball bad. players get it a lot. And, yeah. uh, and I'm yeah. like, you know what? I let her go out with the Lakers that one fucking day. Yeah, <laughs> basketball's uh, tough on dogs. Yeah. She has a torn CCL. She has to have surgery. And then no. I'm supposed to keep her quiet for three months. How's oh, that going to go? come on. It won't. <laughs> yeah. So right now, if anybody out there has jigsaw puzzles, uh, <laughs> Tony, we're going to rely heavily on you for Craft Corner. Coloring. She loves to color. Um, in fact, she jumped up when she heard they were going to do a rubbing of uh, Hardy's kidney. She jumped up <laughs> wanting to join in that. No matter how anybody feels about our book, Get a Life, Chloe Brown, everybody's going to be grateful to switch the topic to that right now. But let's talk about <laughs> yes! that book. We read chapters four, five, and six of Get a Life, Chloe Brown. 
Um, chapters four and six were from the point of view of Red, and chapter five was from the point of view of Chloe. They seemed to be alternating. Boy, I didn't notice that. Oh, boy, I didn't figure that out yeah. either. Wow. Yeah. In chapter four, Red goes into Chloe's apartment and kind of discovers she's in chronic pain, also offers to take her for a motorcycle ride in exchange for her consulting him on maybe getting a website for his paintings and stuff. The next chapter, Chloe's sisters visit and tell her that she should really be doing Red sometime soon. In the next chapter, we're treated to Red first having a wet dream about Chloe and then thinking about her while masturbating, and I'm thanking Tony Anita Hull for that. And then then Chloe comes on over and they have a little consultation. They roll around on the bed a little bit, and then... Uh, Red, just to change the subject, invites her for a motorcycle ride. That's chapters four, five, and six. (laughs) And because she's got some splaining to do, I want to start with the opinion of Tony Anita Hall. Oh, my God. I, when I, okay, when I read it, okay. Like, I knew it'd be like, I can't even. I just thought about the three of you reading what I was reading, and I died Yeah, me too, me too. I died (laughs) Her face is bright red. It's so red. (laughs) Yeah. We should get a picture of that. Screenshot. Like, all I could think about was the three of you reading what I was reading. And I couldn't get past it. Well, Tony, I have good news for you. I've been listening. And apparently I only listened to chapters four and five. Because this whole part that Adam just described, I'm not familiar with. I, 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 Paula, so, you didn't read chapter six? I didn't. And now that I've I heard moved what's to in censure it, Paula Poundstone. I, I think now that I've heard what's in it, I may just move right on to chapter seven. I'm very bummed <laughs> like, you didn't read I, it. I think it's just the beginning of like the word cock, cunt, slit. Like, I just couldn't. There's going to be more. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Come, come on, titties. I was like, I can't do this. Oh, my There's God. A There's a lot. Oh, yeah. At one point he says, oh, Chloe, you're cute as fuck. (laughs) Is that complimentary? And that was like a nice part. But I want to say one thing. And when I hate romance novels, sorry, Tony. And it's just not my thing. I don't find it compelling. But I don't think I've ever, even Lady Chatterley's Lover, all that stuff. I don't think I've ever read coming from a guy's point of view. And actually, I thought it was pretty titillating. There you go. That's what that, that's what the author is going for, and it worked on you, which is you know a, a success. Tony, before we go to Paula, do yeah. you think you would have enjoyed this had you not been picturing our faces doing it? I okay. So. <laughs> Red, you are. I'm loving this. Okay, so I, I still am enjoying the book. It just is very different. Yeah. Did you have to read it like in in the closet or uh, <laughs> in a cabinet? Were you in a cabinet? Is it like reading it with your parents? <laughs> yes. Her face is even it's redder. Like now. I can't. I was just like, oh, I was just so. I knew it would be like. I knew there would be like, like sex in it, but like I yeah. just. Didn't think I would be reading what I was reading, which is fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. yeah. It's just reading in this group of people. There's a yeah. lot to take in. Yeah. Um, but I like, I mean, I like it. I like, I like Red. I like her. I like, I like reading a book with um, current references in it. Current yeah. references. Fun. I, like, I like that very, very casual reference to Dolores Umbridge. Yes. yes. Yeah. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah. What a great yeah. thing that was. Yeah. It was, yeah. It, it's still fun. It yeah. just is, it's it's a lot to think about. It's in England, right? So didn't he say something about Dolores Umbridge's slit? 
No, he didn't. No, her clit. No, he didn't talk about her clit either. Paula, uh, what was your reaction to the two chapters you did manage to read? Wait, let's back up. Bonnie, what did you say? You said I can't you say it that, again. I mean, I you never said, okay, used no, come that on. word, you said but that it was found, in there. No, you said that you found it from the male perspective was what again? She said did titillating. Did coming? Oh, titillating. <laughs> She did. She did I just, I know that's what the author was after, and so you know what? <laughs> Score! Uh, oh my God! Yeah, yeah Paula. So your reaction to the two chapters you did read? Uh, you know, it was the two chapters that I did read. She was sitting on the couch the whole time, except for when she went into shower. Oh, I'll tell you I'm, uh, uh, I'm very worried about. What our young Tony Anita Hall is learning about love. <laughs> Captain Culpepper and I were very much in love, and we did not snipe at one another the way the characters the love interests in this book do, nor did we document uh, and commemorate our every embrace or intimacy with a party like Maddie and Rob. I'm, I'm well, very I mean, worried. Mrs. Culpepper, if I may, you don't want to conflate this with Maddie and Rob. They're very different than Chloe and Red. The, uh, but they both have had an influence on our, uh, our dear Tony Anita Hall, our young Tony Anita Hall, and I'm just very worried that uh, <laughs> I, I wish the captain was here today so we could model for Tony's benefit a, a healthy love relationship, uh, which is not created uh, nor fostered by having friends hide in bushes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would agree with that, Mrs. Culpepper. But, you know, you're you're hardly a great representative of a healthy relationship. It seems like you and the captain no longer live together. Well, it's not that we don't live uh, together any longer, Adam. Uh, the captain is deceased. Oh, of course, of course. Oh, I am so sorry, Mrs. Culpepper. Once again, I seem to have stumbled into that uncomfortable fact. And I regret not having gotten a paw print from him before... He was buried. Uh, well, never... to get those after. <laughs> my mistake. Uh, not my error again. Uh, yes, sir, the captain is deceased. Uh, it's not that we don't. We were very much in love, and it was a tragic loss. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that it happened. But you know what? Being in the military is dangerous. That's all it comes down to. It's a dangerous, dangerous profession. Well, uh, are you correct? You're correct, Adam Feldman, that the military is quite dangerous, but that is, uh, although he was a captain in the military, that is not how he perished. Uh, uh, he died uh, of a trotoxism. Oh, that's a poisoning from cheese or dairy products, right? That is correct. It's a poisoning from a cheese or dairy product. So did he take a curd-based bullet in battle or something? <laughs> did he jump in front of a cheese gun? Uh, no, uh, Adam, it was the goat that got him. <laughs> oh. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Miss Culpepper. I, I want to say ab about this book, I am really enjoying it. Oh, my God. I was not titillated by that part that titillated Bonnie, but I think I still think the jokes are really strong. I think the characters are really strong. I, I, I enjoy the writing. I think she's telling a really interesting story. And once again, the fact that the heroine a, has a disability, and B, is not at all sad or pathetic with her disability, but just it's just something she lives with, and it's an interesting part of the story. I'm digging it. I am a fan of Get a Life, Chloe Brown. I Yay. actually found myself thinking, hey, there's two more books in this series. 
Oh my god. I'm gonna read the others. I did Google if blue balls can make you dumb. But I found no blue scientific balls? evidence. There's no scientific evidence that blue balls even exist or are anything other than something invented by teenage boys to make teenage girls feel like they have to finish what they didn't, in fact, even start. Themselves. Oh, he said his balls were blue? I he meant, no, he makes an oblique reference to blue oh. balls. He does. As a possible internal excuse for why he's acting like such an idiot. idiot. Adam, I was thinking of you when I was reading that his sexual <laughs> fantasy scene and I was like Jesus. I wonder if Adam's no. embarrassed no not that I'm way I'm so glad that this is our last show together just like I wonder if he's embarrassed this is a good thing this is our last episode no what were you wondering Bonnie <laughs> no well I just it was so graphic you were wondering if I was embarrassed by what well all that stuff they said you know the terms and like it was the equivalent of the breasts were heaving and whatever that thing is and Lady Chatter's lover. Yeah, I was a little embarrassed that I was going to have to talk to you guys about it for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. But I didn't realize that Paula wasn't reading it. You don't mind if I just turn around and don't face the uh, Zoom camera? <laughs> okay, I have two things. The best One way is, to handle you this. know, I listened to a sample of the audio book and the woman was narrator was she had a. British, very clipped voice, and it was kind of sing-songy. And I can't imagine that part where the guy is talking about being all turned on and everything. And this, you know, he was heaving and he was... And it just seems like it wouldn't be very titillating. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up, Bonnie, because I was going to say that. I, when One thing I was thinking while I was reading this was... I was really hoping that, that Bonnie and Paulo were now just reading it and not doing the audiobook because this seems like the kind of book 100% that yeah, you want to be I reading mean, and not audiobooking. Because I can't imagine, unless the, re- unless the reader is the author herself, I can't imagine it being, you know, even half so good as an audiobook. And her voice is kind of cartoony, isn't it? Or sexy. The queen had kids. <laughs> But I want to say one other thing. I agree with Adam. I mean, I think this is well-written. The characters are drawn really well. I think the humor is really great. I just, I'm not into romance stories, and I just find myself looking to see where's the end of this chapter. Even in the part where the guy was masturbating. No, okay. Whacking off? Yeah. (laughs) That's the only part that I wanted to get through and get to the end of. So I think Tony said it like comes out of the blue. Here's all this stuff about, oh, I like Red and yeah. he likes me, but I'm not going to tell him, oh, my cunt, the clit. You know, it's just like, what? You know? <laughs> what? Exactly. I was just a little bit shocked. But I think yeah. there are more throbbing cocks in our future. I believe so. Wow. I think that's the name of the next book, isn't it? I think Tony just manufactured the next quote to go up on the Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone uh, page for show descriptions. There are, more- there are more throbbing cocks in our future. Yeah. yeah I, I was yeah. so shocked. Yeah. I still can't get over it. That's probably a great therapist line when dealing with someone who's really depressed. <laughs> Not for me, but for somebody. No, not for you. You know, and Paula, that's one of the reasons, because that's so not for you, I am very interested to hear, when we reconvene this book club, your reactions to Chapter 6 of Get a Life, Chloe Brown, and what I'm guessing will be something that will happen in about Chapter (laughs) 8. You know what I'm thinking I'm going to do? I'm thinking I'm going to take the audiobook 
to Mar-a-Lago <laughs> and put it in that room where the guy flooded the servers with the pool water? Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, those chapters are gone. And then I'll, and then I'll just be, isn't that too bad? I'll just have to listen to the last chapter. No, you know, you have to read them, Paula. It's one of the rules of the book club or you'll be subject to another censure. All right, yeah. so for everybody... All of a sudden, I'm going to... Be... You know what? You guys go ahead. I'm just going to reread the Scarlet Letter. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, eat, eat, pray, fuck seems interesting to me. Hmm, maybe wow. I didn't really understand it the first time. Maybe I should try again. Shocking. I think this book is going to win you over, Paula Poundstone. Shocking. I don't think it's going to win you over to a life of sexual exploration, but I think it's going to win you over as a book. Well, how does it compare to your mom's romance novels? That's a good question. Um, I would say that the Regency genre is not nearly as sexy as modern romances. So my, my mom's novels were downright chaste compared to what I just read in chapter six. So they use more the word pud? <laughs> would you say that? It's not as um, floridly descriptive as uh, some of the other subgenres of romance. I don't know what to say. In movies that era, they're sexy. No, it's not like they weren't having sex. It's just that there are no, you know, detailed descriptions of masturbation, for example. <laughs> that just doesn't happen. Yeah, that was... <laughs> Detailed. Whereas now that's used in literary (laughs) criticism where they'll read a book and they'll go, (laughs) but but, like, you know, Kirkus Reviews will say, well, it was good, but there were no detailed descriptions of masturbation. And that really, uh, that's a, yeah, that's a real negative. Yeah, Kirkus, Kirkus gets real shirty about that nowadays. Hey, so uh, next next week we will not be having a Bookie Bookie Book Club because Paula what? and I will be doing our movie review, our summer movie review episode where we're going to be reviewing. Do you want to preview it, Paula? Uh, no, no. Let's give it, let's, okay. t- let's tell it next week. Uh, we'll be reviewing a movie to let you know if you should see a movie that's currently running in the theaters. But the week after that, we're going to all be reading chapters 7, 8, and 9. And if your name is Paula Poundstone, chapters 6, 7, and 8, and 9 um, of Get a Life, Chloe Brown. And with that, I will bring this week's book wait, club wait to sec. a close. Let me just explain to the listeners. Maybe maybe we have some new listeners who have never, uh, never heard one of our movie reviews before. Let me just explain how we do it. You know, there may be a new release coming out, a new movie coming out. Well, Adam and I have no way of seeing uh, the movie before it's out, of course. And so what we do is we do a review of a movie that's already out that is related somehow to the movie. Like, for example, last summer, um, uh, the Brad Pitt movie Bullet Train had come out. And so we watched and reviewed Titanic because they were both about transportation. And we were able from watching Titanic to caution our listeners not to go see Bullet Train. And um, I would say two things about that. Number one, that's precisely the kind of thing I was looking for about two minutes ago when I said, hey, you want to preview next week a little bit, Paula? <laughs> no. Oh, oh, sorry. My mistake. My mistake. I don't want to tell what we're watching next week. Oh, okay. That, that's fair. But you could say, how do you feel about saying the movie? We don't want to say the name of the movie. Not the movie no, we you're don't want to reviewing. S- no. The movie you're reviewing I, it no. for. No. It's a hot movie. I don't know that it's a good movie. Paula has her reasons. I, I, I gotta trust her. Yeah, we have to trust Paula Poundstone on this. The other thing I would say is, in reference to last summer's uh, movie Spectacular, I have since seen Bullet Train, and it's delightful. Oh, I didn't think it was that good. I thought Airplay was good. Who? No, what was it called? Air, the one with what? Ben Air- Affleck in it and Matt Damon. 
about Nike tennis shoes or something. That's the Air, Air Jordan movie that came. Oh, Air yeah, Jordan. that's the Air Jordan movie that came out on uh, Amazon, and it has nothing to do with the last summer's review in any way. Let's just take a minute out to talk about it happened one night. No. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. Oh Jesus, well, it's a good movie. <laughs> David Russell said the hardest thing in life to learn is which bridge to cross and which to burn. Which is why he isn't our next guest, because clearly he can't be trusted with nice things. We'll be talking about the Golden Gate Bridge when we come back. On this day in unremarkable history, the jungle author Upton Sinclair said, Now I'm not even hungry. <laughs> Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress with my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. 
Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i i think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get 14-karat uh, gold jewelry and, like, all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. 
And we're back. Thank you, house band Colin Miller. Yay! Yay! Hey, Paula Poundstone, how's your summer travels going? You're a traveling lady, aren't you? <laughs> you know, Adam, I am. Adam, once you've driven over the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, you are never quite the same. It's a stunning example of human achievement. On my first drive many years ago over the Golden Gate Bridge, I found myself staring at the giant bolts that it's built with. I thought those bolts had to be built by a machine that's held together by bolts. And, and a machine had to make those bolts. And then I guess I was swerving maybe because a, a, a cop pulled me over. And while he was writing out the ticket, I said, look at those giant bolts. And, and, and then I drove away. Okay, I, I made up the part. The part about the cop, I made it up. But it is an amazing structure. I, I, <laughs> I, would, I would love to know how it was built and how it's maintained. I'm sure there's probably an expert on the topic somewhere, but I'm just as sure I'll never get a chance to talk to them. Nope, no way. No, I, I, I'm sorry, Paula. I mean, our, our guest this week, the, the proprietor of Easy Toys Incorporated, he just invented the one-color Rubik's Cube. So I think you're not going to be able to... Oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. He, Easy Toys is next week. Paula, you are in luck. Our guest this week is the very expert you seek. Well, that's a coincidence season to taste. Ain't it? He is the spokesperson and director of public affairs for the Golden Gate Bridge Highway and Transportation District. That's pretty on the nose for what you're interested in. Please welcome Paolo Kasulich Schwartz. Welcome, Paolo. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for doing this. Now, I have heard and spread the rumor, frankly, that the Golden Gate Bridge is constantly being painted. Is that, is that true? Thank you so much for asking this question. It's actually the number one question I get from friends, family, and people on the street when I say I work for the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, it is an urban legend that is partially true, in fact. We are constantly painting the bridge, but most people think we go from one end of the bridge to the other, when in fact yeah. we're painting where it's needed the most. So we do inspections every two years. We have inspectors that are climbing the bridge. They're suspended off of it like mountain climbers, uh, looking at every inch of the bridge for rust, for steel that needs replacing. And based on those inspections, we send our painters out, our iron workers out to repaint, to replace steel where it's needed the most. So the next time you're on the bridge, you might see some spots that are rusty. You say, oh, that probably needs painting or that needs some attention. I can assure you, eventually we will get to it. But if it's out there and you see it, um, it's most likely not structural. And we're, we're out there on the bridge, might be underneath the roadway in places you can't see, taking care of the areas of the bridge that are most important so that it keeps standing for years to come. It occurred to me, because I have always believed, in fact, I've told other people, I've spread that rumor that they were always painting it. And then it dawned on me one day, I've never seen anybody painting it. So it's not really, you know, I, it's not like I go over all the time, but the, you know, the times that I have. Do they, do they paint in the dead of night? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can assure you they are out there Monday through Friday. They do start early. So if you're a late riser, maybe that maybe that's what it is. But uh, <laughs> they're usually out there seven to three. Uh, these days you can spot them because in order to paint the bridge, we have to basically rent large circus tents wow. to sandblast and capture all of the old paint 
there might even in, in the oldest oldest paint there might be some old lead oh wow. yeah we have to do full temperature control dehumidify create a, a very controlled environment so that we can take all the old paint off get down to bare steel uh, take all of that out and and send it for toxic remediation if there's certainly if there's lead in it and then we're we're suspended over the entrance to the san francisco bay the air is humid there's salt uh, and so we have to control for all of those those factors so that we can put down a, a clean coat of paint and make sure it lasts for years I've never seen a circus tent there. And if I had, I would have assumed there was a circus inside. Um, okay. Well, but, but Paula, you, you do suffer from circus blindness, right? There were years yeah. in which you yeah, were unable right. to see that's circus tents. Yeah. That's a lot of the reason. That's why Paula often accidentally walks into houses that are, that are being worked on for uh, termites. Oh, gosh, yeah. Because you just don't see the tents. It's circus blindness. <laughs> All right, so Paula, when was a Golden Gate Bridge built? It was completed on May 27, 1937. So we just celebrated 86 wow. years of the Golden Gate Bridge. 1937. Wow. It was completed then. When did they start it? They started in January of 1933. So it took just over four years to build. Wow. And it, wow. And it was it was completed ahead of schedule and under budget. And I dare you to find a project today of that scale that can say that. So ahead of schedule and under budget, those were the days, my friends. Um, where, where did they ever get bolts that big back then? Paula, I hate to break it to you. They're, they're not bolts on the original Golden Gate Bridge. They're actually rivets. <gasps> W rivets. Yeah. Oh, okay. Paula Poundstone went bolt when it was a rivet. This is <laughs> this is embarrassing, and a lot of our audience is laughing at you now. I don't Paula. think I would know the difference between a bolt and a rivet. Um, I could swear it looked like a bolt to me. Today, when we replace the original rivets on the Golden Gate Bridge, we put uh -huh. bolts in their place. So maybe you saw a modern day Golden Gate Bridge bolt, but the original oh, workers yeah. on the bridge they were installing rivets. Okay. And how does a rivet work? So a rivet is a piece of steel with an end cap on it. And the workers, when they uh -huh. would install them, they would heat up the, the back end of the rivet, get it really, really hot. They'd insert it through a hole. And then someone on the other end would basically hammer the, the back end flat, the back end of the rivet so that it holds in place. There'd be some, someone on the other side also holding the rivet to make sure it doesn't move while they're hammering away at it. Paulo, do you know what year they switch from rivets to bolts? You know, I couldn't tell you that off the top of my head. I, I just know today when we see a rusted out rivet that needs replacing, our crews go in and they'll, they'll replace them with big bolts uh, before we paint them over. They also changed that expression. It used to be sitting rivet upright and now it's sitting bolt upright. I, I know <laughs> when you're riveted, you sit bolt upright, don't you? That's what it is. All right. How did okay. it get built? I've never understood how they build bridges, like any bridges, let alone the Golden Gate Bridge. Does a crew start on each side and meet in the middle? So it's a step-by-step -step process. I'll walk you through them all. So first thing first with a suspension bridge, you got to build the towers because that's, that's the backbone of the bridge. That is holding all of the weight. And for the Golden Gate Bridge... What are the towers? Oh, the, the two big red prongs sticking out of the water that support the roadway and the main cable so if, okay. you, if you're driving across the bridge you'll see it's the tallest part of the bridge they they extend 746 feet uh, above the water uh, on the san francisco bay can't miss them and they have horizontal struts that tell you uh you're looking at towers and with an art deco facade they're beautiful they're international orange the whole thing is and you start with the towers 
because they, they bear most of the load. We started the Golden Gate Bridge with the North Tower, which is on the Marin side. That got built into the base of the Marin Headlands. The South Tower had to be built basically in the middle of the water. Uh, so there's a whole process there with underwater uh, explosives and framing and pouring concrete underwater that's wild and well beyond my uh, knowledge as I'm, I'm not a, a engineer. But they built the two towers first, right? And then with the suspension bridge, the roadways is actually supported by two main cables. And those are what you see when you drive over the bridge. They're slung over the top of the towers. But what pe most people don't know is uh, it looks like one main cable, one big piece of metal inside, uh -huh. are, and it's three feet wide, so not small. In, B big uh -huh. cables. Big, big cables. Inside are 27,000 individual strands of wire. Wow. Wow. Going from the one end of the bridge to the other, and they're anchored into the ground on both ends. So workers had to run these wires using an elaborate system back and forth and back and forth and back and forth thousands of times to get these wires over the towers, pack them together, and make these three-foot-wide, basically, bundles of, of wire and cable. Uh, the, now, those wires must be aging. So the beauty of, the, of this is that, uh, first of all, there are so many wires so that if one or if you fail, you have many, many, many backups, uh, but they're encased in steel, and that steel is painted over. Uh, and the paint, while also being beautiful, is also really effective at protecting steel from corrosion. So we've not had to replace any of the main cable, and uh, our goal is to protect them so that we don't have to in the future. Uh, one fun fact is if you uh, strung all of that cabling together in, in a straight line, you would circle the earth over three times with all that cable. Wow. I would just tell our listeners, don't do that. That is a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. That's yeah. a lot of People work have for, died for trying. very little yeah. to show for it. All right, so they got this uh, massive cable, and then what? Once the cable's built, then the task is to drop the suspender ropes, which are the vertical wires that come down from the main cable and support the roadway. Uh, once those are in place, workers can then lay out the frame for the for the road and start pouring concrete. They do it in short sections from north to south, uh, and then and then you got a bridge, so it's uh, easy peasy. Oh yeah, easy. Yeah, that's yeah, sounds pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty I'm straightforward. Paul, let's let's build a suspension bridge next weekend. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I was thinking of putting one in, you know, just from my back porch to my garage, because uh, it can get, uh, you know, sometimes when it rains, it puddles up out there. Whose idea was it to build the Golden Gate Bridge? There must have been like one guy who went like, I can do it. Well, like a lot of history, there's one, and it's a guy, uh, who's credited with it. But it was many, many people over decades who had batted around the idea of uh, building the Golden Gate Bridge. Many people thought it was impossible. There were interests of business and industry that were opposed to it. Uh, environmentalists were opposed to it as well, um, some of them, and uh, also a, a segment of supporters, too, those that wanted to open up travel between San Francisco and uh, the Redwood Empire to the north of the time, now Marin County and and more. The chief engineer of the Golden Gate Bridge, who is largely credited with selling the vision for the Golden Gate Bridge, is uh, Joseph Strauss. And he is uh, commemorated with a statue at the entrance to the bridge on the, on the San Francisco side. Uh, but he certainly had a a cadre of very talented and skilled engineers, uh, designers, architects. There were politicians in San Francisco and all of the uh, participating counties uh, that were involved in the 
fundraising and the creation of the district and the agency that I work for today, which was created to finance, to build, to ultimately maintain the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, but really, uh, to your question, Paul, I would say it's the People's Bridge, because when our district was created, we we could not fundraise properly. It was the, the Great Depression. We could not uh, raise the funds to construct the bridge. And so we went to the voters to raise money for a bond, to issue a bond. And the residents of the participating counties up and down the northern coast of California voted to put up their farms, their homes, their businesses as collateral for these bonds um, that allowed the Golden Gate Bridge to be built. And were not for uh, APG Nini, who's a local San Franciscan and the founder of what is now Bank of America, who bought the bonds, uh, the bridge would not be built today. So uh, it is the people's bridge, absolutely. It, it is a, a feat of uh, both engineering and imagination. And uh, it, it's, it's something that, that took many, many decades to get to a point where it could be approved and built. Uh, I won't go into the, the messy details of the politics unless you want me to. Who tried to stop it, Kevin McCarthy? Yeah. <laughs> he might, uh, if a, if a similar bridge were proposed in San Francisco today. Um, however, that the main opponents were at the time the Department of War, which was concerned that the bridge would in, interfere with ship traffic. Uh, the U.S. Navy was concerned that a collision or a sabotage of the bridge would block the entrance to one of its main harbors. And then the Southern Pacific Railroad Company, which owned the bustling ferry system that was the main transportation between San Francisco and the North Bay, oh. uh, was was also opposed, uh, you can imagine, because the, the bridge posed a significant threat to their bustling and pr very profitable ferry business. Yeah. Well, you know, in in defense of, of the naysayers, I've rarely seen a sci-fi movie that takes place on planet Earth that where the bridge doesn't get destroyed. <laughs> that Golden Gate Bridge has gone down oh more God. times in movies than I can imagine. You know, it's, it's a, that seems to be number one. Yeah. Destroy the Golden Gate Bridge it's for faulty. any invading alien They never or made it monster yeah. proof. They never made it alien proof. That was a mistake. Absolutely. Um, hey, you know, the great guitarist from Queen, Brian May, once said, the biggest emotion in creation is the bridge to optimism. I found that quotation in the big book of what the hell is he talking about? We'll have much more coherent talk about the Golden Gate Bridge when we come back. The Cat of the Week is Kiora from Catonsville, Maryland. Fun fact, petting your dog can actually lower your blood pressure, unless your dog is currently eating your phone. <laughs> and we are back with Paolo Kasulich-Schwartz. Did I say that right, Paula? Yes, you did. Yay! Paula? Paolo, in the four years it took to build the bridge, how much did it cost? Yeah, so the Golden Gate Bridge cost about $35 million in 1937 dollars to build. Wow. Today, that's about five, a little over 500 million. But if you were to build a Golden Gate Bridge from scratch today, first, you wouldn't build it the way uh, it, it was built. But two, it would cost a lot more than that, likely over a billion dollars. Wow. Hey, talk about that. Why wouldn't you build it the way it was built? I mean, is, is our newer version of engineering, do engineers now look back on that bridge and go like, ah, 
I could have done better. So the, the Golden Gate Bridge was the longest suspension bridge in the world for nearly 30 years after it was built. But yes, engineering techniques have changed over time and they're, they're cheaper and more efficient ways to build uh bridges over over long spans. Again, not an engineer, so I won't get into the specifics, but there's a great example of what you might build right across the bay with the new span of the, of the Bay Bridge uh, that was completed several years ago. Is, does the new Bay Bridge have the, uh, is it the one that looks like the wire wispy thing? That's right, that's a cable stay bridge. So I, I couldn't explain to you the, uh, <laughs> why engineers uh, choose that. Because a, a lot of cities have those now. That's there's right. There's some near Boston. And, and I feel like the thing about the Golden Gate Bridge is you don't see anything like it anywhere else. It is unique. Not that anybody's considering building a new one, but I wouldn't want them to change the way it was made. I like how it is. It's iconic, if we're allowed to use that word, after the Kardashians <laughs> took it. Um, wh- how much does it cost to maintain it? Uh, these days, it's about... Seventy-five million dollars a year to maintain the bridge, um, wow. and that wow. a, a lot of that is the men and women that are out there every day. They're painting, they're they're replacing steel, they are uh, doing traffic control, they're patrolling the sidewalks. That's also the cost of paint and steel uh, these days too. So it's it's not an insignificant expense. Uh, in the '70s, our agency started running bus and ferry service between the North Bay and San Francisco, also to alleviate traffic along the Golden Gate Bridge and the Highway 101 corridor. Uh, so bri- your bridge tolls today go to first maintain the bridge, but also to support bus and ferry service. So uh, every time you cross the bridge, you're, you're helping to support uh, transit system as well. Also, though, it's a destination for people because it's so famous and iconic, right? That's right. It, it would probably be a lot to say that it pays for itself, but I'll bet you it does attract a lot of commerce and business to the area. Yeah. It certainly does. Before the pandemic, we had over 10 million people a year visit the bridge. On a wow. on a busy wow. summer weekend, we'll see 10 or 12,000 people on our sidewalks. And every day we see about 100,000 cars cross the bridge. So we are certainly a destination. It, it's important for people to know too, we're, we're an essential transportation corridor. I think a lot of people think of the Golden Gate Bridge as somewhere you go and you take a picture and you buy a postcard. But uh, we we absolutely serve the transportation needs of the Bay Area and help people get you know to and from work and school and medical appointments, et cetera. If I can just echo something Paula said at the beginning of this segment, it, it, there's kind of nothing like driving across the Golden Gate Bridge. I, I go to... Um, up into Sonoma County and and uh, I guess Napa sometimes and I, I all due respect to the Bay Bridge and uh, and other ways up I feel like I'm not getting my money's worth unless I cross that Golden Gate Bridge because it's amazing. Yeah, and one little thing to notice next time you're driving across it, the designers were, were thinking about your experience. So you'll you might notice that the railing on the side of the bridge has little slats or gaps between. Uh, the, the the slats and those are actually designed so that people driving across the bridge have have the effect almost like a reverse flipbook of of actually being able to see out their windows uh, to you know San Francisco to the east or out to the Pacific Ocean and with an unimpeded view. So even the bridge early bridge designers were were thinking about you specifically, Adam. Oh, that's nice. Uh, oh, they always thought about Adam. Is the is the <laughs> fog bad for it? Uh, certainly. And that, that's why we spend so much time and put so much effort into maintaining it. Rust never sleeps. The fog is moist and, and salty. And uh, y- you might not be able to invent a more challenging environment for maintaining a 
large steel structure than the entrance to the bay and the fog with all the fog that we get. And when the guys were building it originally, I assume they took that into consideration. That was one of the vulnerabilities that they designed against. Certainly. And while, while the paint systems have changed over time, the best thing we can do to maintain the, the Golden Gate Bridge and protect it against rust is to stay on top of the painting and the maintenance and replace steel as soon as it rusts and keep a fresh coat on uh, those sections that are corroding. Here's another idea, which is that each motorist has a Swiffer and while they're going by, they could just do a little, you know, damp mopping of the, that's something, you know what? Bring it up at work, Paolo. I feel like that might break a lot of Swiffers. No, you got, don't do it without experience. Train first, people. But you know what, Paolo? It's not for me to say, I'm not an engineer either, but if I, just bring it up at work. I think you're. I think you're going to find it's a welcome idea. Um, so the Golden Gate Bridge had a milestone birthday. I'm guessing it was around 35 years ago. I might be wrong about the date exactly, but it was like a big birthday. Could it have been the hundredth? It was the fiftieth, I think. Oh, is it okay? And I remember hordes of people walked over it. And am I right about this, Paulo? They bent it. Yes. In short, yes. Wow. But let me explain. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> it's designed really? it's designed to bend. But yes, to back up and give some context. In 1987, <laughs> I was not actually alive then, but uh we oh, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you really did not have to say I'm that. Sorry. that I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wow. Um no, but in, in 1987, they were celebrating the 50th anniversary and invited people from San Francisco and Marin to close the bridge and walk across to celebrate. They thought 80,000 people would show up. 800,000 people showed up. Wow. Wow. There were 300,000 people on the Golden Gate Bridge before they had to stop people from getting onto the roadway. You should look up photos. Packed, dense with people. You could not even see the roadway in the photos shoulder to shoulder. And you can imagine there were two crowds coming from the south and the north and they met in the middle. And then where do you go from there? Party. Party. Yeah. Yeah. And then. So with all of those people, that was likely the largest weight that the bridge has ever experienced. But how is that possible? Because sometimes there's bumper to bumper traffic on it. Yeah. Yes. To break it down a little bit, the people standing in a crowd shoulder to shoulder are actually heavier, you know, per square inch than a, a car. Uh, yeah, if, if they take up, you know, say two and a half square feet and say the average person weighs 150 pounds, that's actually almost twice the weight of a car per square inch. And so you can imagine the full length of the bridge with people shoulder to shoulder, it's a lot of weight. Thankfully, the bridge is actually designed to flex and to bend. So on that day, the bridge bent or flattened out by seven feet. It's designed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Holy I thought it was shit. inches. I didn't realize oh, no, it was no. that much. It, Seven feet. It, it has a natural arch to it. So if next time you're out there, you'll see that the roadway ha- does have a, a slight uh, bend to it already. And the weight of all these people actually flatten it out. The good thing is the bridge was designed for significant loads, in- including actually more weight than the 300,000 people put on it uh, during the anniversary. So it's, it, it can bend even, you know, up to 10 feet without there being any concern. There were also some high winds. And so there were reports of the, the bridge swaying from side to side. To be clear, the experience for people on the bridge sounded 
horrific. Uh, however, we were never concerned about the structural integrity of the bridge or danger to, uh, to the public. That's so many people. My guess is they're still getting them off there. How many years later? What do you say, 87? <laughs> My guess is they're still like, come on, this way. No, this way. A couple of stragglers. Uh, yeah. Okay, so was like everything okay and then one too many guys went on? Because wouldn't you feel like an ass if you were the person who, you know, like everybody was on there and it was still okay and then one person stepped on and seven feet flattened out. Like, uh, you know, like the mint was it in uh, Mr. Creosote in uh, The Meaning of Life. Do you know that movie, Paolo? Uh <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's been. It came out around the time you were it, born, it, maybe, yeah. or maybe a little before. It's, it's been a while since I've watched it, but yes, I have. Well, I think it's worth rewatching if you want to be any kind of employee uh, uh, that works for the Golden Gate Bridge. For Christ's <laughs> sakes, you have to know the Mr. Creosote scene <laughs> in the Meaning of Life. I can't believe that obvious. wasn't yeah. in the application. I'll, I'll suggest it for the orientation. Speaking of the application. <laughs> <laughs> Paolo, you're obviously so enthusiastic about this. Did you take this job because you love the Golden Gate Bridge or did you just answer a Craigslist ad and then realize along the way that you love the Golden Gate Bridge? I, I have the privilege of having grown up in the Bay Area. I grew up in Berkeley and well, between Berkeley and San Francisco. And so I've, I've always loved and admired the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, I, I ended up in this job uh, not knowing you could actually work for the Golden Gate Bridge. I, I was in transportation uh, policy and uh, couldn't be happier and could be prouder to represent uh, international icon and local treasure, one that I know many people in the Bay Area consider a symbol of our community. So uh, it's it's just such an honor and privilege to be able to represent the Golden Gate Bridge. Wow. That's why they went out and bent it on its 50th birthday. <laughs> yeah. I remember I was working in San Francisco that weekend when that happened. And I remember saying to the audience, I go, it's like having an 80th birthday for your grandfather and breaking his arm. I, I, I just... <laughs> Seven. But a surprise Eight. gives him a heart attack. That, yeah. that kind yeah. of feeling. Uh, it's a great little chapter in its history. But it passed, yes. Wow. Well, thank you so, so much. He's the Director of Public Affairs for the Golden Gate Bridge Highway and Transportation District, Paolo Kasulich-Schwartz. Now that I can say it, I just want to say it again and again, too. Thanks so much for coming on that our show. That was great. That was great. Really interesting. Coming up, warning. The following segment may contain gluten, trace elements of tree nuts, and hazardous amounts of Captain Crinkle. It's our Department of Fine Print when we come back. And now, a news update from the dental chair. Trump got a target letter. <laughs> this has been a news update from the dental chair. House Bandy, multi-talented Colin Miller. Yay! Hey, Paula Poundstone, all that talk about the Golden Gate Bridge, did that make you want to put on your travel shoes? Did it ever, Adam. And you know, it's a funny coincidence. I'm actually going to be in San Francisco at the Presidio Theater on Friday, September 8th. That's a funny oh, coincidence, isn't it? That is a coinkydink. Absolutely. Yeah. You are a fascinating person, Paula Poundstone. <laughs> yeah. You know, Adam, I talk a lot, so I have very few secrets. But what people might not know about me is that I have a chronic cough. Oh. 
<laughs> people might not know that, Adam. Yeah, I, you know, I would feel that people would know that, but... Oh, really? You think everyone knows that already? Okay, how about this? I'm going to be in Peekskill, New York at the Paramount Hudson on Saturday, August 12th. I, I'll bet nobody knew that. And and people can get tickets at paulapoundstone.com. Here's, well, that's, that's good to know. Yeah, here, here's a little tidbit that the fan magazines have never been able to get out of me. I have a lot of cats. I think people know that. They do? Well, how about this? I'll be in Prescott, Arizona at the Jim and Linda Lee Performing Arts Center at Yavapai College on Friday, August 18th. And for tickets, people can go to paulapoundstone.com. Good info. Yeah. Okay. Here's something that will come as a big surprise to listeners. I don't, uh, I don't know how to say it. I'll, I'll just blurt it out, okay? Uh, I love junk food. Yeah, again, kind of a big part of your persona. Really? Really? Yeah, people who, know that. Who let that cat out of the bag? All right, well. Well, you, you, thousands, <laughs> thousands of times, literally. Uh, I, I, I'm just going to blurt this out. I'm going to be in Nashville, Tennessee at City Winery Nashville on Friday, August 25th. Tickets are available at paulapoundstone.com. I feel so naked. You're very exposed. <laughs> and speaking of exposed, if you want an expose on what's actually happening with our planet and how we might want to fix it, there are now three, count them, three episodes of Unfucking the Planet out on YouTube and other places where you get stuff. Go to uftp.world and you can see a show that I uh, co-wrote and directed and it's super informative. Our three episodes now are about electric vehicles, carbon capture versus sequestration, and uh, one other. Oh, fast fashion. That's right. <laughs> unfucking the Planet. Sounds good. Yeah, it is very good. You should see it. It's very good. All right. Well, I guess there's no reason not to just move on to the next thing that we're doing. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I really don't see any reason why we shouldn't just keep rolling here. So with that in mind, I'm going to start up our, uh, the segment that's our last segment of the show. Last segment ever. That, that, that is, uh, yeah, the final segment on the final show. And wouldn't you know it, it's our department of fine print. So without any interruptions, which, you know, never happens on this show. Certainly nobody ever calls the show or anything. I'm just going to uh, roll oh, us into the department Adam, of fine print. Adam, yes, Adam, Paula. Yes. Answer the phone. Oh, listen to that. The phone's ringing. Oh, well, I, this is quite unexpected, but I will I will get that call, Paula. <laughs> Hello? Hello, Adam. This is Gladdy Pilgrim, a uh, 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 prayer warrior for President Trump and soon-to-be Supreme Court nominee. A am I the 100th caller? <laughs> <laughs> no, Claudia. I'm sorry. I think you're the you're the fifteenth caller, and if uh, current trends continue, last caller. Oh, oh, swizzle sticks! And I took time away from baking a cake for my future coworkers to make this call. Future coworkers? Oh, you're uh, you're baking a cake for members of the Supreme Court. Yes, I am, and I'm giving the largest piece to Brett Kavanaugh and the smallest piece to Chief Justice Roberts. Cake Justice is not blind. We have got to get him out of there, Adam. His cheese is coming off his burger. I don't know why <laughs> Julia Roberts ever married him. I don't believe that Julia Roberts ever did marry him. 
think they did. He's Chief Justice Roberts, and she's Julia Roberts. Yes, but Gladdy, there's more than one Roberts out there. You don't think he married Eric Roberts, do you? Oh, <laughs> no. that explains everything. Oh, my God. We have got to get him out of there. I told the president that I will replace Chief Justice Roberts at any time. May it please the Lord for me to please the court. I am ready to hear oral arguments, which I much prefer to the other kind. <laughs> what other kind? Written? Oh, oh, you know. You know. No, no, uh, Gladdy, I don't know. Oh, I, I hate to say it. Um, anal. <laughs> what? <laughs> Gladdy, for Christ's sakes, there's no such thing as, as anal arguments in court. Uh, that's just not a thing. Is too. Which one of us has been studying to be Chief Justice? I have, Adam. <laughs> Now, Fair. I would love to hang out with you after the game, but whereas, and I hope you heard that word, whereas, because it's one yes, of I my did. Supreme Court vocabulary words that I have seamlessly incorporated into my conversational speech. Whereas, I am not the hundredth caller and have so much work to do, I will have to recess right now. Okay, well, re recess, oh, hello? Gladdy? Wow. She, she, she had to get to it, I guess, Paula. Paula, for the record, there's no such thing as anal arguments in the Supreme Court. <laughs> oh, I, I agree with you, but she... Adam, answer right. the phone. Answer the phone. I don't want to answer the phone again. Adam, answer the phone. Every reason to believe it's... Hello? Yes, there is. <laughs> Hello, Gladdy? Okay, thank you, Gladdy. <laughs> hey, uh, Paula Poundstone, guess what we have right now? We have our Department of Fine Print. Oh, now guess. I'm so glad. So much needs cleared up. So so much print need, needs enlarged. Yeah, just so you know, everybody, Department of Fine Print is where we and you find awesome and weird things that are just, that's just on everyday objects around the house. It, it might have started as a bottom-of-the-barrel kind of idea, what are we going to do for our uh, third segment? <laughs> But by now, it has blossomed into oh, a full-blown wow. fun fest that uh, you all take part in. So let's, with, without any further ado, let's get to the Department of Fine Print. Um, can I ask a question? How do we receive the... Noah! How, <laughs> <laughs> Noah. How do we receive the, the, the uh, missives from the Department of Fine Print? Where are they? Usually on Facebook, Paula. Hmm. Okay, um, is there not... <laughs> Not a theme song here, Bonnie, or uh... did we do a theme song? I thought is this I don't the think one it you matter. had the theme song? You know, song live in for? the moment. It doesn't matter if we had one before. <laughs> we could have one now. Okay. It's a department of fine print. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. Oh Paula. Wow. I don't know where we get those uh, submissions, but I can tell you one thing about the theme song. That was a hundred percent phoned in this time. Yeah. That's where we got that. Yeah, uh, you know, White Christmas was written in a ridiculously short amount of time. But, but that's even a, that, yeah, that's craftsmanship a, compared yeah, to that that's shit. A, that's a once in a hundred years kind of a thing. Yeah, all right, Bonnie, since you haven't been devoting your time to writing songs, uh, what fine print did you find for us? I'll let you go first. Okay, wait. Uh, give me one sec. I have to pull it up here. Shit. 
Give me one minute. No, really. You never You're call at me first, but hold on. I'm prepared. I really am. In the fine print, it says, pull up slowly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. 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 Yeah. I got it. All right. This is certainly worth waiting for. Okay. Um, here is... Do you want to okay. set the scene no, for I've got us? It. I've got it. I've got it. Okay. New Holland Small Tractors. New Holland is a company that makes tractors like John Deere. A New Holland Small Tractor. Okay, but when have you been on a small tractor? Yeah, we're going to have to go this? with this one, Paula. She was Googling fine print, I think. <laughs> oh, my no, God. I wanted no. Oh, you mean how I did I see it? Sure, oh, no. <laughs> no, I was coming up with something interesting. I'm out of fine print that I've run across. Mm-hmm. It has to be something we've seen. Well, that's the okay. idea. But I was ahead. at my grandmother's <laughs> yeah. farm, and I happened to notice that there was a new <laughs> Holland small tractor, and it had crazy. a big red sticker on it that said, Avoid Death. Oh, wow. That's a good one. Oh, that's good. And where's your grandmother now? Where's your grandmother? <laughs> Didn't follow the advice, I'm guessing. <laughs> oh okay, so so I was visiting my brother. He's very handy. I was yeah. in his tool shop. There was a chainsaw, and it had a big red sticker on it that said, do not hold the wrong end of a chainsaw. Okay, Okay. now you're making up stories. Yeah, I am no, going no, over no, budget. I you Googled that the one before. It's true. It's just... Do you want something interesting? Then I had to okay. look it up on the internet. Yeah, but no, you don't have to. ask you for more you than one anyway. Okay. You, don't have to, you don't have to create. That's true. You only did need to do one. And the other thing, you didn't have to create a story about having okay. a bro- your brother, okay. who's very handy, and you were in his tool shop. Okay, okay. If you don't want yeah. a story, here. Well, I don't want a made-up story. <laughs> no, Okay. Did you know that they make bobcat and fox urine in pellets, and it's supposed to keep mice and rodents away? And on a container that I might have seen on Google, I guess I did, <laughs> it said, not for human consumption. Oh, well, okay, that's... I'm going to need you to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Back away from the Google. Back away yes. from the Google. Paula, what fine print did you find? Well, and you'll know for sure that I actually saw this myself because it's on my nature's miracle just for cats. No more spraying, stain, and odor remover with repellent. That is actually the title of, that's the name of this product. Nature's miracle just for cats. No more spraying, stain, and odor remover with repellent. And it says in small print, do not apply directly on pet. And, uh, oh, yeah. That's because. I don't want to think about how someone would apply that to a pet. Uh, well, let me tell you something. When You know, when your cats begin rogue peeing, certainly the thought of spraying it right up their butts goes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it goes through your head. Fair. I've never acted Fair. on it and I never mm. would, but I can't say I haven't thought about it. That's some fine print. Hey, Tony, you know. <laughs> What do yep. you have? So mine are from treats that Mr. Totes does not like from Maui Joanna called Crunchy Munchies. And it says, 
Disclaimer, not for human consumption, does not contain marijuana, THC, or CBD. Wow. Oh, wow. so they have to let you know that your catnip-infused treat is just for cats. It's just for cats and does not have cannabis wow. in it. Well, why do they call it that? What are they thinking that it's going to do for the cat? I think because there's... Well, they also make uh, they make catnip bubbles, too. Hmm. So I think it's just a cute little Maui Joanna... Oh. Just like little play on meow and marijuana. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I'm sure people who have bought these thought that they had pot in them, but they don't. Well, that's yeah. good. That's good. That's some fine yeah. print. Because I looked I looked at my I had to find mine in our break. Because I I try to Google something, but nothing seemed feasible that it came from my life. Yeah. Yeah. Well so, I, I think we would have bought a chainsaw story or a, a small <laughs> tractor story. Yeah, that yeah. sounds close. <laughs> Like Bonnie. Bonnie. Bonnie was out on her tractor and she happened to turn around and see this sign. Yeah. What part of this story don't you believe? Mr. Toads hates these, by the way. Here's mine before I go to our our, our listeners' uh, bucket. I have a tub of earplugs that I use when my band rehearses because that's really loud and bad for your ears and everybody should, you know, if you're playing music with a band, you should have earplugs. Uh, The instructions on the back are four steps, but the fourth step seems completely unnecessary other than the fact that they wanted four steps it's a picture of plugs in an ear and it says number four refit the plug if it becomes dislodged through movement oh otherwise people are just grabbing them again (laughs) just get another one just get another one or it came out but i'm sure it still works even though it's not my ear anymore oh yeah of course the whole thing made me think of bonnie and there's nothing on the directions about what to do if, if it becomes completely lost in your ear canal yeah Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We haven't checked in with Bonnie in quite a while. So if we have some new listeners since Bonnie originally told us this story, she has more than once gone to the doctor um, because she was having ear pain. Uh, uh, and you can tell even even just listening to the show, you can tell she doesn't always hear. Um, uh, but uh, more than once she's gone to the doctor for this. And more than once it's turned out that she had some sort of high household product lodged in her ear canal, like more than yeah, once. Most, most famously on our show, she had one of the silicon tips of an earbud in her ear. Yeah, for five days. For five days, at least. Until <laughs> <laughs> it there started was... <laughs> really hurting, I went to the Oh, tip. my gosh. You think? I don't think I realized it was that long. Yeah, it was. It was a long time. It was Aww. days. Yeah, but she's had other stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, Brad's. She had a Brad. <laughs> In there, stuck in her ear, which is yeah. Those are things that are made of brass. Yeah, she had yeah. Uh, black bean from a black bean burger. Which, uh, how in the world could that have happened? I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. Paula was talking about rivets. She had a rivet. <laughs> rivet oh yeah, she ear. had a rivet in her ear. Yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how. Given all the stuff that ends up in her ear, I don't know how she's still with us and with it. But there it is. What? <laughs> Do I what? Bonnie's uh, left ear was the inspiration for the Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, let's go to our listeners, what they found in fine print. Tony Anita Hall, step on up to the mic. I was wondering, Tony, did Kevin Blood ever get in touch with us? <laughs> we did hear from Mr. Blood. He writes, growing up, I had a friend with an airsoft gun. Printed on the side was this warning message. Do not point at the creature. 
<laughs> Does that mean something? Well, I think it's great advice. I mean, don't bother pointing it at the creature. It will only make it angry. Yeah. How many of like sci-fi movies and monster movies have there been where somebody shot something at, you know, like King Kong or something, and it yeah. just bounced off of him, but it pissed him off. So that Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's good. Thank you, Kevin. Um So if you have an airsoft gun and there's a creature. Yeah, don't, don't point it at him. Hey Tony, how about Constance Turnbrook Cahill? Of the uh, I believe Virginia <laughs> Turnbrook Cahills. Yeah, Constance writes, let's see. There's a huge Huge in all capital letters. Sign at Ikea. There's small print indicating that the cinnamon roll isn't quite as big as it looks. That says, not actual size. Oh, yeah. And she sent a picture. And yeah. given the, the apparent size of that sign would make a cinnamon bun the size of, of, of a Prius. <laughs> yeah, that's a so big... I, that, yeah. yeah, I think it's probably smart to mention that you're not getting that much cinnamon bun for your money. Well, and if it's, it doesn't say where this was, but if it was at the airport, that would be considered a separate bag, you know, a, yeah. Pers- yeah, a you personal item or a carry-on. Put it in a carry-on. Yeah. But they do say where it is. She said it's a sign at a Ikea. Oh, at, at Ikea. Ikea. My mistake. At Ikea. Yeah. Which means what? that this is a cinnamon bun that you have to assemble with a hex Ikea. wrench. Yeah. Honestly, an Allen wrench usually they use for a cinnamon bun. Um, yeah. Wow. Why do they have cinnamon buns at the Ikea? I've never been in an Ikea. They have oh. a place to eat there. Yeah, they have oh, a they little do? restaurant. You can get little meatballs. Their Swedish Swedish meatballs, meatballs are very, very popular. Well, it's mm-hmm. funny that they have little meatballs, but an enormous <laughs> cinnamon bun. You could, Again, Paula, si- you got fooled by the size of the signage, but there's a disclaimer right there on the Not sign. See, I would be the kind of person to order that cinnamon bun, and when I got it, and it was like, you know, obviously not that size, much smaller, I'd go back up and complain. I'd go, excuse me, um, I was planning on sleeping inside my cinnamon bun, and look at the size of this. I can't sleep in this cinnamon bun. What the hell? And then they would point out the small print. Yeah, the fine print. Speaking of fine print, uh, Ellen Becker Tyree is always on the lookout for something great, right? Yeah, but she, no, she didn't write in this week. She didn't. No, she did. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow. She did. Stop the presses. Ellen writes, I'm raising pastured poultry, and the chicks are delivered by the post office. The box says, quote, live poultry should not be snuggled, kissed, or held near human mouth. Wow. I wouldn't have known that. Should dead poultry be snuggled and held near the human mouth? Why can't you snuggle sweet chicks? I think because they carry disease. Like, Well, then why have them? That might be one question. Um, What does she do? She raises pastured poultry. Poultry. Oh. So in that Bye Bye Birdie scene, there are chicks just right for some kissing. (laughs) They don't mean these kind. Uh, and I plan Aww. to kiss me a few. And I'm not a fan of chicks and chicken and stuff like that, but I don't know that I could hold a live chick without snuggling it a little bit. Oh, my You're God. You're right, Adam. Yeah. I don't think I'd be capable of not giving it just the tiniest kiss on the top of the head. Sweet yeah. little babes. Adam. Yeah. What's that spot on your face there? <laughs> <laughs> this has been growing ever since I was necking with that chicken. Um, Sweet chicks. Hey, uh, Tony, what does Barb Delaney have to say to us? Barb sent in this warning she found on a bag. Warning, suffocation, hazard. 
Keep this bag away from babies, children, pets, and cheese. This bag is not a toy. Oh warning, my. danger, warning. Yeah, I, you know, there's probably... <laughs> uh, uh, I have something to confess. <laughs> oh, Mrs. No. Culpepper. Interesting that you should turn up at this particular juncture. What's up, Mrs. Culpepper? Well, uh, this has been weighing heavily upon me for many a year. Uh, uh, I had a vendetta towards a Gouda, and uh, uh, <laughs> I put it in the bag. You put the Gouda in a bag. I defied the small print on the label, and I put the Gouda in a bag. I would never think about putting a baby or a child uh, or a pet anywhere near a bag, but I put a cheese in the bag. It was a Gouda, and uh, it was vengeful. <laughs> it was a vengeful cheese incident. I'm so glad I have a chance to get this off my chest. I still don't get it, Mr. Culpepper. What's the result of putting Gouda in a plastic bag? What is that spot on your face there? <laughs> and that's not the question here, Mrs. Culpepper. <laughs> you look like you look like you've been making out with a, a baby chicken. Oh my god! You're not wrong. You're not wrong, Mrs. Culpepper. <laughs> Never do a lip lock with a beak. That's one of my. Uh, uh, that's on my lip. Uh, so I'm wondering why one would vengefully put cheese in a bag. But, uh, off the rails. It was a Gouda. Yeah, this is off it was, the rails. It was a Gouda. I, I was vengeful because it, it killed Captain Culpepper. Captain Culpepper, yes. <laughs> yes but again, I don't see how that's vengeance, really. I, I think the only negative thing that could happen to cheese in a plastic bag is that it might last a little longer. I, I don't know. All I did was put put the cheese in the bag when I was specifically instructed not to. <laughs> I assume it's suffocated. Well, yeah, well. And that, even that was too good for it. That cheese. <laughs> that was the gouda that got Captain Culpepper. Oh, was it the actual, was that the gouda? The uh, gouda? Uh, oh, yes, it was. Yes, or was it, it was. just that a gouda? It was, it was the gouda that got oh, him. The gouda that got him. Huh? <laughs> well, I... I can hardly blame you then for your vengeful acts. And that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I was in a blind rage. Well, yes. And in a blind rage, you put Gouda in a plastic bag. That That's going to make the great final scene of some movie about the captain's life and death. I, I think it will. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, this has been the Department of Fine Print. It's the Department of Fine Print. Wow. <laughs> I didn't think you could top the original for lack of enthusiasm, but I stand corrected. I can't, I can't believe you had time to score that during the segment. <laughs> hey, everybody, remember to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. It's free, and drop us a review if you can. If you want to know more about some subject or just talk to us, talk to us at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com or go to the brand new shiny swag filled nobody listens to Paula Poundstone.com and drop us a comment. And that is our show. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Paolo Kasulich Schwartz. Yeah. Yeah. You Yay. can find out more. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and th okay. thanks to our house band, yeah. the inimitable. 
Colin Miller. Yeah. Yay! Colin. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Julie Burkobian. We are edited by Vic Lowry. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Adam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That spot on your face really is starting to worry me. <laughs> I, I haven't even shown you the other side of my face. You ready? You ready? Yeah. Oh, my God. God, oh, I know, I yeah, know. Did, did it, did they have little tongues? Did it nibble at you? <laughs> there might have been some nibbling involved. All I can say is that me and Bucky are taking it to the next level. We're very involved. <laughs> she's she's wonderful and kind of understands me and gets me in a way that a lot of a lot of people don't. Yeah, yeah. So if well. this is the price I got to pay these um, giant boils on my face, uh, you know, that's what I got to that's what I got to do. Yeah, yeah, well, um, you'd think that would be some kind of a deterrent, but uh, let me ask you this. Does Bucky ever point it out? <laughs> um, I can see she's not happy about it, but she keeps pecking away at the same area again and again and again. It's getting to the point where I'm tempted to not snuggle Bucky. Yeah, you know, you're a smart man, but not a fast learner. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I think, think the problem is that I, I threw out the box that Bucky came in. Oh, oh. Maybe there was something instructive on the on the box. I think there was, Adam. I think there was a small, pr- a little bit of small print uh, that, huh. uh, yeah, um, yeah, here it is. Here it is. Yeah. Um, um, I'm, uh, hang on, hang on a second, Paula. Before you read that, Bucky's feeling a little agitated, so it's no, no, okay, girl. No, it's no, okay. no, don't, no. Ah. Ow! Oh! Oh, shit! <laughs> Oh, right on the last one. Oh, uh, wow. Oh That's God. painful. Yeah. Um, it's Ooh. Uh, Ooh. live poultry should not be No, what's smug- that, honey? What's that? What do you want to say, Bucky? <laughs> Ow! Oh, sh- <laughs> Fuck, that hurts! Jesus God! Oh, that one, I think that one went through my cheek. Yeah, she's trying to point with her wing at, at, the, oh. uh, at the box. Oh, okay. Read the box. Bucky, let's read the box together. I'll put it right here near my eyes. It says, Life holder should not. Oh! 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 Keep it I away think from... I'm going to move Bucky to the other side of my face now. Keep it away from a human mouth. Right. I have one of those. Yeah. You know how you like to do that thing where you put this, where you put Bucky in your mouth and you go, Where's yeah. Bucky? Where's Bucky? Let's <laughs> go no, no, do that. Here we go. Here we go. It was all I could do to not bite down during that one. That one hurt from the inside. 